0: Hello. Hello. Today's episode introduces you to a renowned cook and a friendly New Yorker, Lauren McGurin. She does a tarot reading from the deck she created, the Herbed and Spiced Culinary Tarot. She incorporates culinary suggestions into the reading to bring out my inner kitchen witch as a support system. But just a few housekeeping items She did this reading in exchange for a 20-minute interview regarding my food habits. I believe this was a Holisticism Give and Take Thursday. So I will have the link for you to join the free Holisticism Hub in the show notes. But that interview, since it did not have direct bearing on the rest of the episode, and it had a different tempo because I was having to take my time to think out the answers and my responses, I've edited that segment out. That segment is available, though, over at Patreon. So if you want to join my Thunder of Dragons for that deleted segment and other perks, I have the link in this episode's show notes as well. Uh, she mentions that her culinary tarot deck is available for pre-order. Well, I waited so long to publish this podcast that it is now available for purchase. And of course, that link is in the show notes as well. Another housekeeping note, for the time being, I am continuing to offer the Sandbox Healing Adventures for free. So to learn more about what those entail or to sign up, please go to my website, Aprilific.com. And in closing, I always welcome your dreams. Please click on the SpeakPipe link in the show notes to leave your dream. And hopefully you'll hear my my take, my interpretation on a future episode. All right, that's it for now. Enjoy. Thanks for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I'm April Don Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Lauren McGurran. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me, for all I'm very excited to be here. Well, Lauren is a private chef, a culinary educator, and kitchen witch. Her pronouns are she and her. She's a Pisces sun, Scorpio moon, and Scorpio rising. She teaches intuitive cooking on the internet and is looking to expand her offerings and network. Hence why I saw her on Listicism Hub, which is where we met. <laughs> yes. And I took her up on a free offering Friday thing. And my listeners are probably well acquainted with that because I've had several uh, guests on the show now from Holisticism Hub. This has been a great way for me to connect with people who are doing weird stuff. I like awesome stuff. I heard it referred to as unicorns. You think that, oh, there's no way possible that there's someone who does fill in the blank, such and such. But these unicorns do exist and I'm, I'm meeting all of them <laughs> on Holisticism Hub uh, as well as other places. But for you to be an intuitive, you know, cooking educator, it's like, wow, well, I really need some help in this area because I'm getting off script already, but I'll just tell you and the listeners why I am so excited about this and why I need it is because I have a lot of icky story around cooking. I grew up in a rather poor household. I would say looking back, we didn't use the word food insecure at the time (laughs) because I'm 40 now. But looking back, I would say that that was the case. And something about my mom did not enjoy cooking. She did not like cooking. And so my running joke is that my mom's, idea of a cooking, and no offense if she's listening, I don't think she ever <laughs> hears any of these episodes, but her idea of cooking is pouring milk on cereal. I had heard that one time and I thought that that was perfect <laughs> description. So it was a bunch of TV dinners, cereal, just fast food things uh, packaged. And then the, the treats the luxuries were when we got the welfare check or whatever, we were able to splurge and go to the burger place and half a burger and fries and stuff like that. So to me, that's kind of how I was raised. There was really not much education in the kitchen. The kitchen was a place that was drudgery, that was full of drudgery, (laughs) And it was unfulfilling and you put all this time and effort into creating a meal and guess what? Maybe the kids don't like what you, you made and you have like a sink full of dishes afterwards and the payout just was not equivalent to what you were putting into it. And so I kind of got the same feelings about cooking but yet with my Taurus moon, it's all about food. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so a lot of my connections uh, with my friends and so forth, not all of them, but some of them, it would be with cooking. That would be one of the connections. They would invite me over to eat and they loved cooking and I loved eating and it was a perfect match. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just had a lot of, again, icky feelings around cooking and around scarcity And my idea of treating myself or being good to myself in a way was fast food, was going out for that burger or these fatty foods. Being good to myself did not look like buying quality ingredients at the grocery store, putting love into a well thought out meal, etc. So that's why I'm saying I, when I saw what you were offering. I'm like, wow, this is perfect. I don't know what the hell she can do with me, but (laughs) shoot, if she can do something with me, then she can do something with anybody. I recently had a hypnosis episode and the theme was timeline jumps, right? And I already had a preconceived notion of what my timeline jump would look like, you know, with vision boards or whatever in the past, I envisioned this small house in a small town, just nice. And so I thought that that's what I would see when I stepped outside the portal and the hypnosis. And I didn't, I found myself in a, a communal um, like tribe, almost kind of <laughs> along the coast. And I saw myself in front of a fire cooking And I was like, Oh, now we know that this is a real timeline jump. I had a wooden bowl in my hand and I was stirring it up and I was putting it on a hot skillet over an open fire. And it was sizzling these little, very savory vegetable patties, the smell and the the crackling of the fire, it did feel very nourishing. So that was just a glimpse I had into this timeline jump. And then when I came across you or either it was after I had already booked, that's where I'm not sure about the timing, but I just felt like it was perfect to bring in. So a a kitchen witch, someone who could help me figure out where to go from here. Thank
1: you for sharing that. That's incredible. And I think we're going to have a lot of really fun things to talk about. It's, uh, Funny that you talked about fast food in that capacity, because I do have a lot of compassion and understanding of that particular space. And I think there are lessons to be learned there that are useful. And I don't think it's shameful in that. So my partner is a Taurus, Sun, Moon, uh, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. And he's also a chef. And I've never met someone who likes fast food more than him. And he's incredibly talented. And one of the best things he ever made for me, I was like, what is in this? And it was made entirely from packet McDonald's sauces. It's genetically engineered to taste good. So I do think there are lessons to be taken about the ways in which that it's nurturing to have those flavors. And there are ways to take those lessons into the kitchen and make things that can be delicious for you in a way that isn't forceful or, oh, I have to do it this way to make it nutritive or what have you. Like So what I try and teach is the intersection between spiritual practices and then traditional classically trained culinary technique meets in the middle and the marriage between the two, how to use your instincts to make food delicious, spiritually, creatively, and physically nourishing, and to take those lessons out in the real world. So I can see a lot of what you're saying relating to how we're going to talk today, and I'm hoping I can help you.
0: Well, tell us about your background in cooking, your credentials, I guess, if you will, if people are interested in that. Um, for me, some of the best cooks are not trained at all, except, you know, by their mom or grandma. But yeah, tell us a little bit about your your training. So
1: I think it's funny you say that because that is a lot of what I go back to teaching is the concept of like brand, Nona cooking or intuitive cooking. It is the idea of touching things or smelling things and knowing that things are ready by your senses. So in the same way that a intuitive coach teaches you to listen to your instincts that's what I'm teaching in the kitchen now to tell you how I got there I always loved cooking did it my entire life when I left college I went to New York to start cooking professionally and I wanted to be really good so I went through culinary school don't know if I would recommend that for someone else and then I was a line cook I opened three highly publicized restaurants in New York I was on the the opening team as a cook there I worked at one Michelin star restaurant and then from there I left to work in private work and I also work in food styling to this day so. Advertisements publications magazines and I wanted it to be in what was purported to be the hardest city in America, if not the world, so I learned a lot over that period of time. Now, as I started started stepping into my own work and how I incorporate my practices, I kept coming back to two things. First off, I was a religion major in college, and that was before I knew about the Akashic records, about astrology in the way that I do now and those sort of things. And I think it's to say that I always had a connection, also Pisces sun, like a connection to the spiritual world that is a very present part of who I am. And I think religion, like food, is just another lens to look at people. So marrying the two and making it a spiritual practice is very important to me. So that's where I work. I recently created a tarot deck that uses the, the archetypes of the Rider wave, and it connects it to culinary practical stories. And then it uses herb and food suggestions to sort of marry it all together.
0: Fascinating. Well, before we go any further, let's uh, grab a drink. In this segment, we pop into a virtual coffee house. Love that. And being the benevolent host that I am, your order is on me. So what order do you give the barista? Okay, I do at this point,
1: really like a matcha spritz i am on coffee sometimes i'm off coffee sometimes i'm currently on coffee but if i have any more coffee we won't even be able to function i'll be (laughs) i will be jittery i'll be racing twice as fast as i am now but i still like a little pick-me-up and i love some bubbles life's too short drink sparkling so a little bit of matcha a little bit of lime seltzer maybe a a hint of mint if that were available Mm -hmm. But if that were too fussy and they looked at me like I was a nutcase, then I would take a cold brew and we would (laughs) have to sit through me rambling.
0: What are you having? Well, in the virtual coffee house, I'm not sure. And I can't stretch my imagination right now for some reason. So I'll just tell you what I'm in the 3D world (laughs) here in Easton, I am drinking a um, mushroom coffee. So it has all of those those good for you. It's caffeine-free too caffeine-free because I've had to eliminate caffeine almost completely because of my insomnia at night. So yeah.
1: Understandable. Is it, are you doing the mud water or the Four Sigmatic or something else?
0: I was doing Four Sigmatic and I'll probably edit this part out because I don't want to bash them at all, but I had thought that the uh, certain things I was getting from them, the flavors, like, I don't know, maybe they just changed how they did it or processed it or packaged it, but I don't know, flavor seems to be not as, not as good anymore. So that being said, I, I, I tried a different brand, La Republica, La Republica decaf mushroom coffee. Okay. Beautiful. All right. Well, now that you have your beverage, let's dive right in. Sometimes living one's purpose and going through this human experience can look like playing small. But there are times that it looks like playing big. So in your spotlight moments, Lauren, have there been any claims to fame, times that our listeners may have seen you or your work? I think my work, best work is just coming. So not really yet. I am really proud
1: of the deck I created, like I said, and the fact that I achieved my goal on Kickstarter. I think a good claim to fame is just being, especially in Manhattan, where I live just this sunny person in my neighborhood. Like I do feel really connected to the Lower East Side. And I think New York in general has this, um, reputation for just being an unfriendly place, but I do know my neighbors and they know me and just being able to say hi to each other in a, a big city that a lot of people pride themselves on their anonymity is a pretty powerful thing that I'm proud of.
0: Mm, I love that. Friendliness as a superpower. Yeah, for sure.
1: Sometimes, in, in some capacities, you know what I mean? I think so. it's very easy to put on a mean mug when you're, or you know, to get very focused and to be intimidating, but yeah, just being happy, I guess, being happy around the neighborhood.
0: Well, guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversations, something that doesn't get enough play or enough airtime. And the prior guest chose vivid. So you are tasked to try and somehow fit that into our conversation today. Okay. Yes. Love that. Now, you also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with, and it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or just something that resonates with you. So what are you laying down for them to pick up?
1: Regenerative, a sort of a mantra and a prayer across time and space. Mm. Um, Shall we get to the reading then? Absolutely. I'm very excited. So here's how this works. You can have a question. The question can be food related. It doesn't have to be. It's perfectly fine to go in a different direction. The three cards I pull are sort of the conscious area or the situation, the subconscious or the obstacle, and then sort of a hint or a suggestion as to the road forward. And then I usually end up pulling sort of a last little hint. So I'll usually pull a fourth card just to sort of see after the conversation what's left and where it goes. And I think a reading is best when it's a conversation. So I will sort of ask for your input or what you're feeling or what is coming up as we go. Do you have any questions?
0: Uh, as to how it goes? No. Nope.
1: Beautiful. All right. Do you have a question for me?
0: Well, um, I guess I'm wanting to ask something related to the timeline jump with me cooking that food. I guess the question is how, how can I best get to that timeline as okay. relates to food?
1: How can you best get to the timeline as it relates to food? I'm gonna just pull one, out. I'm gonna pull one at a time. So we're gonna start with the first card. So this is the page of tools. In my deck, tools represent swords. In the original minor arcana, swords are representative of the air sign. So in my mind, the air sign is where um, intellect and emotion meet, because I often find that intelligent people will find words to justify things when they really just need to move through their feelings instead. So we're starting there. And what is coming up? The page, page is a really fun energy in any minor arcana it's a really explorative, playful energy. It's funny that we're on on the sandbox episode because it it is very much so like, how do I play and explore as an adult or as a person walking through life period? And the page of tools, the tool that had in mind when I wrote the deck was a cookbook. So methods of how do I find ways to communicate how I'm feeling, what I'm moving through, what I need, what I want, how to delegate. So that's sort of the nature of the question in relation to this dream that you're having. So it's like, maybe how do I communicate my needs to get there to that timeline jump is perhaps what I'm thinking or how we start this. Um, do you have any follow-ups to that? Or how do you feel? I think
0: I use the, word I, the words I think a lot <laughs> about that whole sword energy with the intellect and the air. That's something I get. Time and time again is allowing the emotions to come through because I do. I think I tried when something, I keep using the word icky, but something, a feeling comes up that I'd rather not have. Instead of letting it come up and trying to peel back the layers as to why I'm feeling that, I just try to use my brain to overpower it or think through it or plow drive <laughs> through it and clear it. So, trying to work through the emotions of, of food is interesting.
1: Okay, that's a great place to start. And I, I mean, yeah, let's start there. I think it's funny that that I do like the word icky. So I understand because it does like sort of feel like you're sticking through mud or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I, I very much so think it relates to this in my deck. Per card, there's also an herb suggestion. Some of them are more medicinal in nature, some of them are more culinary in nature. So the herb that comes to mind with this one, and uh, I, we can always relate back to this later, but it's the idea of sage. So sage, common household herb, it has antimicrobial properties, but it's also related to memory. So I think the ways in which the past and the future connect and communicating that is part of the game as well, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, cause you gotta move through that to get here. So. We're going to start there. Any, you're feeling ready for the next card? Yes. Okay. Beautiful. So, the next step up is the King of Oysters. So, oysters relate to pentacles in my deck. The pentacles are an interesting suit. They are related to the earth sign, it is earthly pursuits, pleasure, but also survival, you know, money, material, working, like you. You got to get through it all. So the reason that I chose oysters in the deck for that is because oysters occupy this really interesting space between luxury and survival. They are an incredible resource to the earth. They are the great filters. They exist, bivalves exist to filter their ecosystem. So they filter the water, they eat all the garbage. They spit out clean water. Famously, Charles Dickens said the line poverty and oysters go together. Oysters used to be food for poor people. It was just, you commonly you picked it up, you shuck it, you ate it, you move on. And it was all in the oyster. New York City was used to be famous for oysters. It was almost called the big oyster instead of the same, the big apple. Why? Because you could just go in the the riverbed and pluck them up. Now, obviously that's changed due to pollution. So. There are, there are questions of, you know, how do I live this vivid life? How do I live something that's delicious and tasty and luxurious, but that it also is survival-based? How does it feed me? Now, it's interesting because we're another court card here specifically. So we're dealing with the king of oysters. It's this notion of this luxury. You're sitting around, you're feeling in flow with your resources, you're feeling cared for, you're feeling like what you're surrounded by sparks joy. If we get back to that Marie Convo conversation we were having earlier. So it is a give and take between your your work and your life. They're in total flow. So I think if this is coming up in the obstacle in the subconscious, I think that it's not necessarily, I think it's something that you're moving towards when you're looking at this quantum leap in this thing, you're maybe hoping that this future and the fire is a security. When we discuss the ways in which maybe you often don't feel it is cooking related in this case. Like, you don't feel as though you're getting out what you put in that sort of natural flow there's a question of how do i get there that is heavily at play how how are you feeling about that how does that relate to what we're chatting about
0: yeah i just i i want to feel i food food is the thing that makes me feel comfortable in life like things are okay and not just food but food that I enjoy because I know a lot of people they talk about how they they eat to live and not live to eat and that has not been my case like I I I I pretty much do the opposite (laughs) I I live to eat because eating for me it is I don't know it feels like whenever I'm just Eating to live, and it's not necessarily something that I enjoy eating, it feels like it's just another thing in life that is a chore or a burden. And so, I don't know if that goes back to my depression in the past or what, but it feels as though the food is the little highlights of the day, and it kind of puts Little punctuation of meaning throughout life. And that's the little spark or the joy comes from having that Starbucks coffee or that cookie or whatever it is. I'm a big fan of sugar, <laughs> processed sugar. Those are kind of like the rewards of having put in the time for work or whatever it is. So to get to the point where it feels nourishing and luxurious and secure and safe. And I think I may have lost the train of thought there, but that's that's what I had picked up on.
1: Well, and so let's just chat a little bit about this visualization. So first off, where's the disconnect in your mind between sort of what are the treats that, the treats that you eat today. And those sound, I mean, I love a, a good pick-me-up coffee in the middle of the day or a beverage or whatever it is. Do you see yourself when you're in front of this fire? Are you eating similar things? What do treats look like now? And what do treats look like then? And if they line up, that's great. That's not a problem at all.
0: Yeah, so they they don't line up. And I had just that one visual of that, that vegetarian uh, fried patty on the fire that's the only visual I got in that timeline jump but it had the cut up onions and different vegetables it was this batter that I poured onto the fire the skillet and it came up into this nice crispy savory it just felt savory and very wholesome very nourishing is what it felt like So it both tasted good and I could feel good that it was good for me at the same time. So that's kind of where I want to get to is that I don't want the food I'm eating to ever feel like a workout routine, right? Like I have to do this. Uh, I want it to feel fun and tasty while at the same time nutritious.
1: I love that. And I think, so I think that there's an issue of when we discuss this card, because it is, it's a lovely card. Often I feel the cards are just hearing you. It's not necessarily like this big piece of wisdom or it's not a left field. It's just repeating what you said. And I think that that's a key indicator here is that it's just, how do we get in alignment with that future as opposed to here now? And like, how do you make it playful and fun? So you just identified the obstacle. You said it yourself. It's the same thing happening right here. Now, Insofar as herbs, the one that I often use for this is coriander. Apparently there is some lore around this that gamblers used to chew on coriander seeds to make them more psychic, to have a greater feel of intuition when they were gambling. And also it goes back to Jewish times for the, man- the manna that the Jews ate when they were wandering the desert. Was filled with coriander seeds as well. So there are these links between nourishing and that. So maybe playing with coriander and sage, probably in different dishes, maybe together. But those might be kind of fun, sort of entry ways to sort of get you thinking about other stuff. Okay, ready for the last card. Mm-hmm. I accidentally took a hint. I pulled it a little early. I usually wait as I go and pull it. So this is an <laughs> an interesting. Oh my gosh! Well, and I'll tell you a little bit. So. We discussed the ways in which tools are about where earth and air meet, and it's an air sign thing. So it is often counterintuitive that fire would be under there because it's not the fire sign. That being said, I had a wonderful teacher who said fire is a technology, and that really set something off. So it's funny that in your future vision, you're going back to the thing the like, really the primordial technology. This is the first way in which people chose to nourish themselves and it's yet again what we're going to come back to later. It's still such an amazing tool for cooking. Now here's where it gets a little icky, as you like to say. (laughs) So the fives are often sort of a conflicting, um, they're, they're often a place of conflict in all the suits in the Minor Arcana, and in this case fire often represents a Pyrrhic victory. So there's a, a slight warning here. So the idea of like, yeah, you win, but at what cost? Like, what do you have to burn down to get what you want? And are you left with things? So I don't think it necessarily has to be that dramatic in this case. I do often find specifically when this deck, when a card that's so specifically indicates fire it often has to do with fire. But I do think there might be some head cracking that comes along the way to get what you want. It's okay to state different things. It's okay to change. And there might be a little resistance to that. So just being careful of how much you feed that fire and within yourself so that you don't burn yourself down in the
0: process. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think because I have food so closely associated with mental health in a way that if there have been times where I have gotten on these kicks where I will really put a lot of shame around a certain thing or fast food or chocolate or whatever it is and I'm suffering along with it just because I am feeling like I'm crucifying myself along the way for this ideal that doesn't even feel good (laughs) so I'm like torturing myself for no reason I've If I can just pursue the light of happiness or joy along this food journey, that maybe, maybe it's gonna, maybe it will be me creating a fire in my fire pit and making something in my backyard for supper. I don't know. (laughs) Not feeling like it's an all or nothing because often that's how I operate. It's all this or nothing and Sometimes that is destructive. It has been in the past.
1: Well, and also let me invite into this. When you're in your transition to throwing a fire pit, I love that you have that. That's great. And it is a tool that you can use. But there are so many other ways to work with fire in the kitchen that are maybe like introductory. You know what I mean? You can get there. And I do love working with fire on the full moons or fire moons or air moons in particular, one or the other, just as a way of balancing it out. So you can use it in ingredients. You can use cayenne. Cayenne's related with that in the deck. You can use peppers. You can find other ways to incorporate spice just to get fire on the brain. You know what I mean? You don't have to rush into the fire pit. There's totally other ways. Number two, I don't know what your oven situation is, but a broiler, straight fire. If you're not used to using it or you haven't used yours before, you're gonna wanna watch your food, but it will probably be ready in five minutes. There's so many other ways to play with fire. I love me. A blowtorch. In fact, <laughs> it's funny. I'm sitting at my desk. I have one right here, but like I use a bigger one upstairs. Um, and there, there are little home ones you can get, and you can play with charring that way. But if you're sort of still figuring out what tools you like to use in general, I would not maybe rush into a blowtorch off the bat. But you know, there, there are ways here and here there to get around that. And that seemed to inspire you a little bit. Are you feeling good about that sort of hint to get to where you're going?
0: Yeah, I liked the idea of quickness you know you were talking about the boiler and making foods ready in like 10 minutes or so I like the idea of fire and quickness that correlation there
1: yeah if you turn especially if you wanted to do some salmon you're gonna to want to put foil not parchment under it but with some miso on top or something like that You'll be done very quickly if the broiler's up and running. I like charring. I like vegetables with more char on it. I think it's more savory. I think it's more reminiscent. Mm, Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: you can use the broiler for that. Another way I like to do it is to, yet again, I don't know your personal oven, but throwing the sheet tray on the bottom of the floor instead, because that's where the heat comes from in most ovens. So you'll get more char on the bottom and it will move things along faster. Again, you have to check it more often. You have to set timers for tighter amounts, you can't just walk away in the same way, but it'll, your food will cook faster. There's no getting around it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and then do you have a follow-up question or something, or do you want me to just pull a little hint?
0: Just pull them in the card. Okay.
1: okay. This is a lovely ending, so. The Ace of Oysters. This has been coming up in a lot of my readings. I think of the ace in any suit as the top of the clock as it moves around. It's a liminal space. It's a space of a lot of potential. And so there really is a future here that you can have whatever you want. You just kind of have to pluck what you want out of the bottom of the oyster bed. So all options are available to you. And the nice thing about it being the oysters, the earth suit is that it it's very torn. it nurtures you it's about mm-hmm. nurture it's about fulfillment it's about relationships and it is about love so that's that's where I end that and um and then the herb that goes with this in my deck is dill so we actually it's nice these are all culinary herbs that might be fun to play with there was an interesting tweet years months ago that went viral where it was like dill's that friend at the party who you're like, oh, why don't we hang out? Like dill's not often used. It's an often forgotten herb, but it is so delicious and it really adds a kick to things. It might be fun to work with. If you are worried about it going bad, you can dry it out in your oven very easily at 200 degrees. And then you just have like dill powder if it's getting a little gunky in the bottom of your fridge. And that's not hard. Like you can do that while you're cutting your vegetables and sort of set that up. And lastly, but not least, so here's the lore behind dill, which is kind of interesting because it is this luxury thing. They used to put it, in banquets in the Middle Ages, because they said it helped people fall asleep. You were discussing your insomnia earlier. Why you would want to fall asleep in the middle of a great feast? I don't know, but that was something that was very much so on their brains. So there's a lot of herbs here that might be fun to play with while you're pursuing this future that you're trying to get to.
0: So going back to the medical astrology episodes that I was listening to, For each sign, they were going through different flower essences. They gave you flower essences for each of the signs. You're encouraged to look and see what would best support your ascending, your sun, but especially your moon. And then also they wanted you to listen to the episode that was associated with your south node placement. Okay. Because the south node... Hopefully I'm remembering this correctly, but it's called the the dragon's tail also. And that's where there's a lot of weakness, where a lot of your life force can leave the body, whereas north node can symbolize where you have a lot of extra strength. South node shows where that strength uh, can leave and what parts of your body, what body zones need extra support. So anyway, my south node is in Aquarius, and one of the flower essences associated with that was dill. And so I just ordered up flower essence remedy, and one of the one of the flower essences in that concoction is dill. So I was really happy <laughs> to hear that. It's like so luxurious a coincidence. So, yeah, that's that's
1: amazing. I love that that found its way in there. I think insofar as uh, sort of an approach or a prescription for the kitchen, there are these herbs that are kind of fun to work with. But I think in general, I think if you're really inspired by this patty in particular, find a way to do that. Maybe I'll send you a recipe or something or something that'll get you along those lines. You could get a veggie burger from the store if you wanted to start that way. There's plenty of delicious options out there at this point. But I think maybe working with sort of, especially if you said earlier, you like baking, maybe trying a savory batter sort of situation with vegetables inside. Like I know a lot of Korean sort of scallion pancakes or Korean pancakes have a lot of vegetables in it. And that might be a fun thing to fry up to play around with that future. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I would love to take a look at that. Yeah, absolutely, I'll send something your way so that you can just take a look and just, you know start to play with it. I don't, yet again, I don't wanna give you a sort of thing where you're like, ugh, and then that was so much work, but you can buy store-bought veggies if that's what gets you started. I'm a huge com- proponent of start where you are and don't take on more work than you're ready for, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, because if you do that, then you're just gonna say, fuck it. <laughs> 100%. and and go back to what you know and what's comfortable and yeah
1: and it incorporates in a sort of bready thing because I'm also a bread person it's not exactly bread obviously I do think it's gluten-free it, but it is sort of
0: that texture or whatever it is it's very hearty it um just feels nurturing somehow like amazing. a comfort food <laughs>
1: Yeah. I can't, so I can't wait to pass you this. I think it'll be really fun for you.
0: Well, cool. I enjoyed that. So what other things do people come to you for, like with questions? I mean, I doubt other people had the same vision as they did a timeline jump hypnosis session. So what, what kind of questions do people normally bring to you for your help or your guidance through these cards?
1: Um, there is no normal answer, which is kind of cool. It runs the gamut from, I just had a hard time prepping food. I'm somebody who's enthusiastic in the kitchen and actually a pretty good cook, but I haven't felt inspired recently. How do I get back in the kitchen to like, this is a big anniversary for me insofar as the loss of a loved one. And let's chat it out in that way now. so I can, I have run the gamut of things just like any intuitive reading and I'm totally happy to meet people where they're at and I do often think you discuss the ways in which wellness and spirituality and what you eat is so very much so a part of that so I do like to offer prescriptions I don't want to make it medical you know what I mean it's mostly just fun you know but that being said if it doesn't fit in the whole of what we're discussing I don't want to take it there you know what I mean it's a short reading it's fun usually before I start in that period I do a light two to three minute meditation where I just feel centered and we connect in that capacity, but that's, that's what goes on. So yeah, I'll, I'll take anyone <laughs> who loves food.
0: How can people find out more about you, Lauren, and what you're making in your own sandbox? Like those Uh-oh. cards, how can we find your deck?
1: So I will provide you with all the links for the waitlist. It should be arriving at my house any day now, and then I'll put them out within the next couple of weeks. I am releasing my culinary coven very soon. It is a four week course in a small community and it's gonna be a really amazing way to see the ways in which culinary technique and spiritual practice can go hand in hand. Beyond that, it is really, if you think about Mary Poppins as the OG witch, it's my way of making meal prep a game. Making it fun for people to show up, show up in community, not be afraid to ask questions, have a couple of healthy meals for the week that they're proud of and little components to use later. And also improve culinary technique. Like I said, just get more comfortable using your instincts, using your tools and using everything in your fridge. So that will go live very soon. And I also do meeting readings. 20 to 25 minutes for $35, we use the deck and I relate the tarot messages to your food and what you like to eat every day. So.
0: Very cool. I'm glad that you teach people how to use the tools because that has been something that keeps me from even wanting to approach it because some of the things that other people take for granted, I don't know, like the basics. And it's been really embarrassing it's kind of like shadow work <laughs> like to to bring it up and be like oh actually I don't know uh, how to do this or that um maybe your grandma told you when you were five and you just believed everyone knew it but here I am 40 and I don't <laughs> so I, I think it's really cool that you teach people probably from different levels of of base knowledge you're saying it, you keep it fun so fun means safe because you're not having fun if you don't feel safe. So if it's a fun environment, I would feel safe to ask those questions and not feel like a a dumbass. So (laughs)
1: 100% and I'll tell you, even at this point point in my career, I'll always watch somebody chop an onion a different way. I'm always excited to see the ways in which people do things because um you can learn a lot you can still learn a lot every time so there is no stupid question or silly or reason to be embarrassed i think people are gonna come in at different levels but even um just even the way in which people approach salts is radically different from person to person so just starting over and seeing a new perspective there's always room to be a beginner and have fun so Mm. it's gonna be great
0: Well, I love how in the Lifestylist podcast, Luke's story ends his pods asking his guests this question. So I'm including it in mine. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you would share with our audience that they could research and also learn from?
1: I love this question so much and I really appreciate you asking it. I've thought about it a lot. Most of my people fall under sort of the category of farmers or sort of things that are related to fermentation or or cottage projects. So Ron Finley is the first one. He's known as the gangster gardener. If you do anything, when you get off this and do anything today for yourself, you can go watch his Ted talk and it is incredible. He transformed a lot of South LA, which is historically a neighborhood that is in deep poverty. And he started sort of radically creating gardens in urban spaces that weren't claimed um to the point where he was almost in prison for it there were warrants out for his arrest and the people signed up petitions that allowed it to happen so it's free food that you can pick in in south la that's just out on the street from the trees so he teaches about ways in which urban farming is accessible to everyone a useful thing to learn he is famous for saying that everyone should learn to grow their own food it's like printing your own money and it's joyous. So that would be the first person I bring up. The second person is David Zilber. He is very clever. He is from Toronto. He went to go work at Noma, which I think is the second best restaurant in the world currently, and he ran their fermentation program. And he is famous for discussing the ways in which, um, he calls it, fermentation is not experiencing a trend it's experiencing an understanding so things like sauerkraut things like pickles all these preservation methods that were historically famous you know 150 years ago and beforehand that people were using to feed their families are experiencing a resurgence in order to make communities more resilient and the food system so he is very interesting he has a beautiful book that you can purchase, but you can also just look at his Instagram and he shows you sort of quick pickling projects and stuff like that, that you can pick up pretty easily at home. Lastly, I want to recommend the sisters Naima Penningman and Leah Penningman. They run Soulfire Farms in upstate New York. They are big proponents and activists for the Black liberation of land, back to Black farming. So they raise a lot of money for farmers in that community to make people who are black and brown farmers more food secure on their own food sovereign it is fascinating information it is historical and it discusses the ways in which the food system is so much more far-reaching than what is on your plate every night
0: well in closing was there anything that you wanted to tell the listeners about food or intuition or anything else i would just encourage them to if you don't
1: necessarily feel ready to engage with me in any way to check out my mailing list on the new and full moons i often will release prompts they're related to the deck um ways to play with the food in your kitchen and sort of things that are mindful and celebrating it's a really fun community and it's free so i hope to see you there
0: excellent all right one. Thank you so much for joining me in Chefy's Sandbox. And I will see you soon in Holisticism Hub. So much love to you. Much
1: love to you as well. Thank you so much for making the time for me.
0: Bye. Bye.